It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to another episode of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. It's October 2019, and you know what that means? It's hockey season. Training camp began Monday at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum as head coach Doug Christensen and a brand new look Fuel team has taken the ice. And this is a really exciting team, a lot of new faces, a lot of players we've seen from different places around the ECHL, a lot of players from the organization, the Blackhawks and the Rockford Icehogs, all performing for the Indy Fuel. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team is going to look like on the ice. The National Hockey League and American Hockey League seasons begin this weekend. Of course, the Chicago Blackhawks opening their season in Europe Friday afternoon against the Philadelphia Flyers here in the United States. It'll be Friday afternoon, obviously Friday evening in Europe. But of course, our focus as well, the Indy Fuel, the Fuel roster taking shape. And I'm really looking forward to Friday night because we're going to get our first opportunity to see the Fuel on the ice in a game Friday night, 6.35 p.m. Note the special start time, 6.35 Friday as the Fuel take on the Cincinnati Cyclones at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Tickets are $10. You can get your tickets at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum box office or at all Ticketmaster outlets. You can also reserve them at IndieFuelHockey.com. And, of course, we'll have a audio broadcast for you at IndieFuelHockey.com slash radio ECHL TV will be picked up during the regular season, and you can get your ECHL.TV packages now. So head on over to ECHL.TV, get your ticket to all the exciting ECHL action home and away this season. Speaking of away, the Fuel will open the regular season next week on the road. Four straight road games to start the 2019-20 regular season. They'll start off in Wichita on Friday, October 11th, and then the next night they'll be in Kansas City. And then the following weekend, Saturday, Sunday, the 19th and 20th, they'll play a pair of games in Wheeling before home opening weekend, October 25th and 26th, both games against the Cincinnati Cyclones. Opening night on October 25th, 7.35, puck drop. The first 2,500 fans in attendance will receive a bobblehead featuring new head coach Doug Christensen. It's also a do three one seven nine three dollar beer and soda. One dollar hot dogs and seven dollar t-shirts will be on sale. We'll also have a special guest on opening night and post game autographs with the fuel players. The following night, against Saturday games this season, six oh five PM face off on October twenty sixth as the fuel take on the Cincinnati Cyclones again. Pre-game fan fest begins at three thirty PM out in front of the Indiana Farmers Coliseum in advance of that 6.05 p.m. face-off. One note for opening weekend, you can get your Moe's Family 4-Pack for each of the opening weekend games. Your Family 4-Pack includes four silver-level tickets, four $5 gift cards to Moe's Southwest Grill, and an autographed Indy Fuel Pock. That's a $125 value for just $64. It is available for each of the opening weekend games. Head on over to IndyFuelHockey.com to reserve your Moe's Family 4-Pack for each of the opening weekend games today. You can also get full season, half season flex packs and six game mini packs as well and reserve those at IndieFuelHockey.com. This will be our final off season under the hood. And one thing I've really enjoyed about our under the hood podcast this summer is we've had the opportunity to introduce you to current and new fuel players and coaches, but also people from indie hockey past and present. And today, 
I felt like we had the opportunity to go into the vault, and in some cases deep into the vault, to bring you a couple of my favorite guests from Indie Fuel Games that we haven't yet had the opportunity to feature on the podcast. Both of these guests are people who played here in Indianapolis, and both have had a big impact in hockey beyond the Circle City, and in one case, beyond the ice itself and onto the movie screen. The other one had a movie made about them as well and about their uh, exploits and accomplishments on the ice. Two of the greatest hockey movies ever made, Slapshot and Miracle. And we'll touch on both of those stories here in this podcast. Our first guest of the two is Dave Hansen. You probably know him best as a member of the Hansen brothers in the movie Slapshot. He was in the midst of his hockey career when that movie was filmed, and that included a couple of stints in the World Hockey Association, as well as in the National Hockey League, where he played for the North Stars and the Red Wings. He also played in the North American Hockey League, a minor league in the 1970s that was primarily a minor league for the World Hockey Association, and that was the league on which the movie Slapshot was based. Dave Hansen played one season for the Indianapolis Checkers in 1982-83. He had 39 points in 80 games for the Checkers, who went on to win their second consecutive Adams Cup championship that year in the Central Hockey League. He also had 285 penalty minutes that season. After that year, he would play one more season in pro hockey, primarily with the Toledo Gold Diggers of the International Hockey League, although he did play one game for the Checkers that year as well. And he has continued to be involved in the game, obviously doing appearances with the Hanson brothers, but also being a really heavily involved in hockey in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where he lives with the Hanson brothers. He made an appearance at an Indy fuel game a couple of years back. And I had a chance to meet him in the dressing room at the Indiana farmers Coliseum. I've been wanting to share this interview with you for quite a while, and I hadn't had the opportunity to do so yet. So this is the perfect opportunity. Here is my conversation with Dave Hansen, former Indianapolis checker and member of the Hansen Brothers. First time back in the Coliseum since it's been renovated. What do you think of the building? Oh, I just walked in. It was, it was amazing. You mm-hmm. know, I was telling guys you needed a flashlight to see where you're going when I played here. But yeah, it looks, I think it looks great. It looks like a, you know, a real nice, professional building now. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, uh, you've been touring uh, with the Hanson brothers now for quite, uh, quite some time. Is it, have you been amazed at the fact that, you know, now 38 years after the movie was released that this is still as popular as as ever and that you guys are able to continue to do what you do? Well, I wouldn't say I'm amazed now. You know, we, we quite frankly, I think we were amazed when it first started uh-huh. back, uh, gosh, I don't know when, we, when it happened. And it was, you know, we all had a professional career and, mm-hmm. and then went into our private lives. And it was when Steve, Jeff, and I got together for a, it was almost an impromptu uh, gathering down in, down in Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. about places where Steve was coaching to see the, Suddenly the arena filled up and, you know, lines for five hours signing autographs that, that really shocked us. And, and, you know, I didn't, didn't know if whether it was just kind of a, a weird one time occasion until then, you know, about a week later, I did the same thing up in New York mm-hmm. uh, where I was managing. And, and then suddenly the phone calls started coming off the, ringing off the hook and, and it hasn't stopped since. So, you know, the amazing part was in the beginning, but, Mm-hmm. You know, now it's just, uh, it's just, yeah, we know, we know that's what it is, and it's just continue to have fun with it. So, how long have you three been touring? Geez, I don't know. When was it, Steve? When were you coaching there? Uh, early 90s. Okay. Uh, 92, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, somewhere around okay. 90, yeah, 93. So did you guys all play together in the WHA, or well, were you ever teammates? And Well, we were teammates. That's okay. how it all happened. I mean, mm-hmm. if uh, the genesis of it really had to do with us all playing for a team in Johnson, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which was a farm team of the Minnesota Fighting States and okay. WHA. And uh, one of uh, our teammates' right. sister uh, follows around, Kept notes, uh, wrote a script, sold it to Hollywood, you know, and uh, and went from there. Um, but to, to answer your question directly, then yeah, we all played together there, and then we all were members up in Minnesota Fighting Saints played there. And then Steve and I uh, actually later hooked up, I think, and, uh, together with the Hartford Oilers okay. for, for a brief moment. And here in India, you're close to the end of your career at that point. What was your role with what was a pretty good checkers team? Yeah, we had uh, Red Lawrence there, mm-hmm. Steve Stojanovic, uh, uh, some pretty pretty good darn hockey players and goal scorers. So they brought me in to show these guys how to score even more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you believe that, I got some swampland in Florida. Uh, now, Freddie Creighton, the coach, um, actually went to training camp where he was a coach of the Atlanta Flames. So okay. The Atlanta Flames camped. And, uh, geez, I think that was uh, in the mid-'70s. And... and uh, so that's the first time him and I have got to know each other a little bit. He wanted to sign me, but I ended up going to sign with the Minnesota Fighting Saints. So it's kind of ironic. Years later, like I said, towards the end of my career, um, he brought me in. It was a year after Frankie Beaton was here, and I think they needed somebody to kind of play the role that Frankie was vacating. And so I came in. I came in and, and did that very well. And surprisingly, it was it was my crew. Besides getting like about 280 minutes of penalties, it was my greatest offensive year in my whole career. I think I scored 18 goals that year and had uh, you know double digits and uh, assists. So it was it was a good season. Yeah. It, what is it? What is it like to be a part of a championship team? Well, there's nothing like it. No matter what level you're playing at, it's it's what every hockey player strives for. Uh, you know, we were playing at that time. I, I don't know if the mentality of the players is a little different than they are nowadays, but I would I would. I would bet it is somewhat in that you know, our passion was there more for the game and less for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, you know, you, you, besides being passionate about playing the game and enjoying it, the ultimate goal is when you start out is to win a championship. And so uh, that year was, uh, I think the, the following year was my last year of pro hockey. So that was in my 10-year pro career. That was the third championship that I had won mm-hmm. uh, as a professional and, uh, and it was just a blast here. We had a great group of guys. The city was a lot of fun. Uh, you probably know Baron and I do what kind of attendance record we have. It seems like we always had a good crowd and and, uh, and playing for Freddie Great, who, God bless his soul, is no longer with us, but uh, it was just a thrill. He was just a great player's coach and, and a hard-nosed kind of coach, the kind of coach I love playing for. So, old-time hockey, in other words. Well, it was, and, and it's, it's funny because I came from the American League the year before um, where uh, we had just won a championship there, too, and, uh, and even though this is the top farm team for the, uh, the New York Islanders, the leagues were different. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the American League was a little bit hard-nosed and, mm-hmm. and a tougher league. And so, so when I came here and played, I brought the same style of hockey. Mm-hmm. I think I shocked a few opposing teams. In fact, I would often have some players come up to me and say, hey, take it easy on you. We don't do it this way here. You know? But I didn't change my style. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been here very long. Yeah. And is it 
coming into kind of a unique team in that you had a veteran team, which you don't see often in the minors, a veteran team with a, a core of guys that had been together for a while, and then some pretty good prospects like were thrown in. Well, that was, if you look at how Bill Torrey, who was in the gym with the New York Islanders, I think that was what their, their second year of winning the Stanley Cup as well. You know, he had the right formula. Uh, him and Jimmy Devolano was, uh, I think, his assistant, and, and the Smiles were helping to build that uh, that farm team, and, and so they knew the right formula, and that was, yeah, bring in good character, quality veterans, mm-hmm. and then uh, that can surround and influence, uh, you know, the prospects, and gosh, I think at that time, we had Kelly Rudy, was in mm-hmm. goal with a, with a uh, rookie, and and uh, you know, went on to have an outstanding uh, NHL career, and uh, Gordy Dedean was a rookie, mm-hmm. I think might even got the defenseman, Eddie Shore defenseman year mm-hmm. award, award that year. Uh, and then, you know, Davy Simpson and a few mm-hmm. others. So, um, so yeah, you know, they, they really had the right formula. And it's unfortunate because I don't think nowadays, uh, you know, there's, there's so much money being spent on top mm-hmm. that they can't invest those kind of dollars and have that kind of philosophy in the minors anymore. And unfortunately, uh, you know, they, they end up maybe fast-tracking these young kids a little too fast. They don't give them the opportunity to develop their own good character kids. And, and it hurts. It hurts a lot. And, and even at the fan base, at the uh, in the minor league level too, you know these these veteran players are the guys that are more fan friendly, and and fans kind of latch on to, and it just helps these young kids along. So yeah, that was they did it right, and and, uh, and he was very fortunate to have that. Hey, what are you doing? It's uh, your day job now, besides traveling with the. Stephen Jobs? Yeah, this is the fun part. Yeah. This is, this isn't the job. This is mm-hmm. the fun part. So uh, right now, I've I've been in Pittsburgh uh, since around '95, I think mm-hmm. it was, and '94, uh, and, and managing a uh, sports complex mm-hmm. there for a uh, Ralph Morris University. Okay, so kind of good to stay involved in hockey, uh, not just touring, but as well day by day. Yeah, well, the neat thing about it is at the time that I moved there, my son was still playing, so it was a great uh, opportunity for. For him to continue and me to be a part of it, mm-hmm. uh, and close by, and so I help. You know, it was part of his uh, his development. And then, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a sport we love. It's a sport mm-hmm. I love, and to stay close to it every day and be a part of it is it, it certainly makes it a job a lot more fun. What's the best part of touring with these guys? Well, it's just they're first off, they're a couple of great guys. You know, we we like I said, we even knew each other before 1974 when we turned pro together and played together. I played against uh, Jeff and Jack, uh, the other brothers in the, in the junior leagues, and didn't play against Steve. He was still in high school, uh, but you know, you got that kind of relationship, and we just get along. And, and every trip, it's either telling old stories and still laughing at, or coming up with some new stuff and, and, and having laughs and. And, and, you know, and the caveat to all of that is, is we're together and we're running into fans, yeah. uh, a lot of them for the first time, and they all have their own little stories and tales and favorite lines from the movie, so we usually get some pretty darn good laughs out of that. And that's my conversation with Dave Hansen of the Hansen Brothers and the 1982-83 Indianapolis Checkers here on Under the Hood. And as I mentioned This is a podcast where I wanted to share a couple of interviews that I've enjoyed from guests of the Indy Fuel over the years. Our second guest is Dave Christian. Dave was a part of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, and he had a big play, one might say next to Mike Ruzioni's goal, the big play in that 4-3 to victory over the Soviet Union that propelled the Americans 
to a gold medal. Of course, they would defeat Finland a couple of days later to clinch the gold medal with the Americans trailing two to one and time winding down to the first period. He fired a slap shot from center ice. Vladislav Tretiak made the save, but the rebound bounded straight to Mark Johnson, who was able to put the rebound in the net, tie the game. Tretiak got pulled, and that seemed to be the turning point of the contest. Of course, the Americans would go on to win 4-3 to on Mike Ruzioni's goal that put the United States ahead. And later on, as those final seconds ticked down, Al Michaels exclaimed, Do you believe in miracles? And of course, that became the basis for the movie Miracle as well. From there, Dave Christian, who, by the way, is one of several members of his family to win a medal for the United States in international competition. We'll talk about that during the interview. He went on to play more than 1,000 NHL games with the Jets, Capitals, Bruins, and Blackhawks, one of the first Americans to play 1,000 NHL games. Nearing the end of his career, he played 40 games with the Indianapolis Ice in 1993-94. He was our guest with the Indy Fuel for Made in America night last season, and he came up to our broadcast booth during intermission. Here is our conversation with U.S. Olympian and NHL veteran Dave Christian. We are thrilled to be joined by Dave Christian, 1980 U.S. Olympian, uh, one of a handful of Americans to play over a 1,000 games in the National Hockey League, and also a former member of the Indianapolis Ice. You played a half a season here in uh, the 1993-94 season and Dave it's been a while since you've been here in the Coliseum the building looks a little bit different than it did uh, when you played here 25 years ago it, it certainly does it's this is a great facility they've done such a nice job in uh, rehabbing this place uh, I remember it being a little bit darker yeah it's lit up pretty nice now it's a great venue uh, just describe really briefly you came here to Indy close to the end of your uh, long career you'd had a, a number of seasons in the National Hockey League and a number of great experiences how did your experience really help translate to some of the younger players that you had like Sergei Karivakrasov and Rob Semeta and Rob Kahn and some really high draft picks that some of which went on to have really good careers in the NHL well I think the one of the things is is I've always felt like I've really been able to people get a sense that I, I just enjoy the game I, I, at that point in my career, uh, you're right. I, I wasn't playing. I was in Ch- in Chicago with the with the Blackhawks, not playing a lot of games, sitting out, you know, a healthy scratch, and it was. I still wasn't ready to be done playing. So it, it made a lot of sense for me to come down here and get some games in. I made a lot of trips with along with Troy Murray mm-hmm. at the time. We were both kind of in the same situation. And it was fun to come down and, as you said, some of the young kids that we had, Crevo. Uh, yeah, Robbie Sametta and those guys that uh, just tried to, to show and be an example of just enjoy the game, just enjoy the game as much as you can. Well, tonight uh, it's a Made in America night, and you're being honored as our guest from the 1980 Olympic team. And have you been amazed at how much that continues to resonate now, 39 years later, and how much that means to uh, people here in the United States? throughout the country that uh, you were able to uh, pull off the feet you did? I think it uh, is resonated and continues uh, even this evening through the first two periods hearing people tell the stories of, yeah, my mom brought all and made all the neighborhood kids come in from outside and sit down and watch that game, and which gave, you know, gives me chills that, to think that people remember where they were, who they were watching the game with, 
yeah, so many stories over the years of, of people enjoying and, and watching that game with a with a parent or parents, uh, mom or dad, and you know, just kind of relaying those stories. It's always been fun for to uh, get people to relay where they were, what they were doing, how it made them feel, and I think. The biggest thing over the years is constantly hearing from people that, you know, it made us feel so good. It made us feel good about being an American. And that's one of those things that just continues to resonate. There's probably two moments from the game against the Soviets that really everybody remembers. One of them is obviously Mike Arruzzioni's goal that turned out to be the game winner. The other one was a 100-foot slap shot that... uh, Tretiak made a save on, but then it came right to Mark Johnson. Were you thinking, look, there's seven seconds left of the period. I've just got to make something happen here. You know, I don't think the thought, there wasn't any thought about making anything happen. It was more about just, okay, the period's going to end, going to end, the period's going to be end, this is it. I'll just throw a shot, I'll just throw a shot down the ice. Who, you know, you never know. And as it, you know, as it turns out, uh, you know, it caused, uh, uh, Teakin off to pull Trechak uh, and ch- maybe change the whole out of the o- outcome of the game in a lot of respects. And we don't know what was going on from a you know, political standpoint as as a coach, what his thoughts were about why he pulled Trechak. But you know, you know, it certainly was he he along with everybody else uh, felt like the period was over, and nobody saw and nobody expected Mark Johnson to be going to top speed across the blue line through split the defense and pick up the rebound. Now, uh, anytime a group of athletes does something special, it creates a bond that is really unbreakable. How close are uh, your teammates from that team? How often do you uh, see guys? And when you do see people from that team, is that something you reminisce about? You know, I think the... The outcome of that game wasn't the reason that we were so tight in the bond. The the fact that we had that closeness and that tight a bond was a, was reason that we were able to have the results that we did. We were very close as a team, and I've you know teammates have talked about the fact had we not won, we still would have had we still would have had that strong tight bond. Uh, when we get back together, yeah, we pick up. It, it can doesn't matter if it's been 20 years since we've seen somebody. We pick up right where we left off. The jokes keep, start flying, and, and we start reminiscing about all the fun that we had leading into the Olympics. And your father and uncle were both part of the 1960 gold medal team at Squaw Valley, and was there? How much did you lean on your your father's experience, your uncle's experience, your other uncle who was on the 1956 silver medalist? Yeah, how much did you lean on those guys going into the Olympics to know what to expect? Well, I think from from my stand personally, for me, it was when anybody you know talked about the fact that we didn't have a chance or we couldn't do it. For me, in my mind, I was always like, "Hey, this is this has happened before. I, I know." Firsthand, I, I'm associated, and, and I know firsthand that this has happened before. Why, why not us? Why can't it happen again? So I always went into it with that thought that hey, it, if it's happened before, it, it can happen again. Uh, you've represented the United States on a number of other occasions as well. And we mentioned there's now five members of your family with Brock Nelson winning a medal at the uh, World Championships a couple of years ago. How much pride? Did you take in wearing a sweater that said USA on it? But how much pride do you take as well in your family having represented the United States 
so successfully on the international level. I, I think uh, it was just ingrained with me, and I think it had a lot to do with the, my hometown of Warroad, Minnesota, and, and growing up there. It was just ingrained that you know that national team experience and the hope and the dreams of, of someday having the opportunity and having the chance to play for your country and represent you know not only represent your country but I've, I've always felt like I was representing Warroad, Minnesota as well. With regards to representing your country, really the 1970s was a time when it was very difficult for Americans to break into the National Hockey League. Many of your teammates, including yourself, had long careers in the NHL. How much did your team and what you accomplished help really grow the game here in the United States? I think it uh, there was kind of a resurgence and, and obviously a huge interest sparked by that victory and by what our team did. Uh, you know, the fact that we the, the fact that we had success and we were able to win, I think, gave the players on that team an opportunity to play right away and not have to go through the struggles and 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 kind of pay your dues so to speak in the minors so we were able to come in and, and a lot of us were able to step in and, and get a chance to play right away so, but i think it did yeah i think it it uh, did help grow the game of hockey now, 10 years later you got a chance to play in the stanley cup final for the boston bruins you scored a key goal in the first round against the whalers to help uh, win a game that led to a uh, seven-game series victory. But just talk about the opportunity you had to play in the Stanley Cup Final and what, what that was like for you. Well, it, was, it was exciting. And, and coming 10 years after uh, Lake Placid, uh, it was the opportunity I have. Gosh, it would have been fun and, and nice had it gone the other way. But uh, having that opportunity in Boston, I'd grown up. Uh, I saw a lot of Boston Bruin, Montreal Canadiens, playoffs and whatnot growing up in northern Minnesota so I became because of that I think I was became a Bruins fan so the opportunity to play in a Stanley Cup final with the Bruins yeah that was that was that was pretty special I want to thank you for joining us here in the second intermission NHL veteran and gold medalist Dave Christian thank you very much a pleasure to be here and that's our conversation with Dave Christian when he visited us for a Made in America night this past season with the Indy Fuel Thanks for joining us on this edition of Under the Hood as I got the opportunity to share a couple of my favorite guests, Dave Hansen and Dave Christian, with you. And, of course, thank them for joining us as well at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. As the season continues, we'll continue to bring you Under the Hood podcasts and let you know what's going on with the fuel and bring you a wide variety of guests throughout the year here on the podcast. And, of course, keep you up on what's going on with the Indy Fuel, both what you see on the ice and behind the scenes or what we would say under the hood. Again, make sure you join us Friday night, October 4th at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum for the preseason opener, 635 faceoff against the Cincinnati Cyclones. Again, tickets, $10. You can get them at Ticketmaster Outlets or at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum box office. And also reserve your tickets now for opening weekend, October 25th at 735 p.m., at 6.05 p.m. October 26th against the Cincinnati Cyclones. Tickets are on sale at IndyFuelHockey.com and the Indiana Farmers Coliseum box office, as well as all Ticketmaster outlets. Head on over to IndyFuelHockey.com as well to secure your most Family 4-pack for each of the opening weekend games. You can get four tickets, four Moe's gift certificates, and an autographed puck, all for one low price. Again, 
The Moe's Family 4-Pack, good for either the October 25th game against the Cincinnati Cyclones or the game the next evening, also against the Cyclones. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Under the Hood. I am Andrew Smith. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.